0: You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Well, pick up your Bibles and turn them... To near the front, Joshua chapter 14. Chapter 14, we're going to be reading verses 10 to 12. You can also mark in your Bibles Numbers chapter 14. We're going to be turning there uh, quite a few times back and forth. If you don't have a Bible, you know... Well enough now, unless it's your first time, that we want you to take one, take that one on your seat. If there's not one on the seat, you sat down and there's one behind it. And you, when you came in, uh, you received a little book, most likely, hopefully, that call, that's uh, called Rethinking Retirement. We That's our gift to you. We want you to read that. It complements uh, this sermon, and so we ordered enough uh, for every household in the church. It's by John Piper. Um, and he really has some uh, good things if you want to look at retirement in a biblical uh, point of view. And it's uh, this message and that book is for anyone, whatever age you are, whether you're uh, 15 years old or whether you're 55 years old or whether you're 85 years old. So I want to just encourage you to read that this week. It's not a big book and it's not hard to read. Join with me, Joshua chapter 14 verses 10 to 12. As you see, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years as he promised. Since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness, here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle And for daily tasks is now as it is, as it was then. Now give me this hill country the Lord has promised me on this day, because you heard then that Anakin Anakim are there, as well as large fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord promised. Well, let us pray. Lord Jesus. There are men and women here of all different ages, uh, different phases of life, uh, different levels of faith. Lord, you have a message for us today uh, through the life and faith of a man named Caleb, your man. Someday we're gonna meet him in heaven, uh, but his day has come and gone. He lived well in the day that he was alive, and now you're calling us to live the same. Help us to see that Caleb was just a regular guy, just like us here. Yet he was filled with a supernatural, awesome God, just like anyone can be here. Help me, a simple man, to uh, speak your great truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I read this out of a daily bread. I don't usually read the daily bread, but I read this out of a daily bread to do with Caleb says, growing old is dreaded by mostly everyone because it usually means loneliness, physical decline, and retreat into inactivity. Some people tend to lose their enthusiasm for life and spend so much time in fruitless reminiscing and, and self-pity. They feel like old Jimmy. An elderly gentleman, George Mueller, who was a pastor from 100 and something years ago, often told us about... When this man was asked, uh, what did he do all day since he retired? He replied, I just sit and think, sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. That's getting old in the worst way, to stop living before you die. Well, history records for us many uh, men and women who have made their greatest contributions to life uh, past the age of 65, the age of retirement. I read about a guy named uh, the Earl of Hanselberg. Uh, He was a British uh, lawyer, judge, then politician in the 19th century. And he, at age 90, undertook uh, the revision of a 20 volume uh, book collection of all the English laws. He took that on by himself at age 90. I read about uh, a woman named Gladys uh, Burrow, which at 92 years' age um, ran a marathon, a full marathon, and became the oldest woman to do it. Of course, we all know Colonel Sanders, uh, the inventor of KFC, who uh, started KFC at age 65, and we're all so glad because of his chicken that he did. I read about a woman uh, named Diana Nide, which swam from Cuba, to Florida at 82 years of age. Galileo discovered, made his greatest discoveries at 73 years of age. And at 69, Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary into China, was still working the mission field, opening up new territories in Indochina. What if I told you that you could age in different ways, that uh, some people choose to age like pop, flat. But some people choose to age like wine, which gets better and sweeter the older you get. What if I told you you could age like bread and become crusty and stale? Or you could age like honey, which never loses its sweetness as old as it gets. What if I told you, and can we get that first picture up, what if i told you that you could age like this 1950 ford coupe or you could age like this 1950 ford coupe life is life is full of decisions and each of those decisions will play its toll on our lives will determine who and what kind of a person we will be near the end of our life what if there are things we could do uh, that would impact our lives that would help us to become well and effective and live a maximized life what if there are attitudes Uh, what if there are are things that we can implement that would help us to become men and women like caleb Well, that's the question I lay at your feet, whether you're 20 or 60 or 85. I find myself at 41 years old uh, looking at the fast approaching 50s and 60s and 70s, which I know will be here before I know it. Still, at the same time, I can look back into my teens and 20s and 30s and think about that life which just seemed to be here not that long ago. I believe there is a God who has numbered my days. Yes, I believe in his sovereignty. Yet, I see in the Bible that people finish different ways. uh, That we can uh, choose to live in that time between when we're born and we die in a certain way uh, that influences the way we think and the way we live and then the way we finish. And today we're looking at a man named Caleb. A man that kept going strong until the end. And so young and old, pay attention to this man. The, the scene of the text that I just read, the context to it is it's been seven years of war. Seven years since they entered the promised land. Seven years of fighting. Seven years of challenge. The oldest men alive are Caleb and Joshua. Joshua. They're the only two men that were allowed to enter the promised land and to receive, which they entered seven years ago, that which God had laid out for them a thousand years before. He had an eventful life, you could say at the least. Uh, And and now Joshua has so much life to him, but I just want to focus on Caleb. He experienced things that none of us, not one of us has experienced. He was born into slavery. And in Egyptian slavery, in reading and researching what it was like for a child, a child would be expected, especially a male child around age four to five, to start uh, every day working in the slave labor that their family, their father, and their brothers would be involved in. Uh, Exodus, which we uh, read about and we studied through and preached through last year, tells us a little about what it was like. The Egyptian masters were ruthless, Exodus 1.13. They made the lives of the Israelites bitter, Exodus 1.14, and, and cruel, Exodus 6.9. And, and as a result, the Israelites languished in misery and suffering, Exodus 3.7, and they had a broken spirit, Exodus 6.9. That was the life that Caleb was born into. That was the life he lived till almost my age. And then in his late 30s, uh, God through Moses led the people out of slavery into the wilderness, brought them to the promised land. Better times you might think for Caleb ahead, but no such luck. Because of the sin of others, uh, Caleb spent almost 40 years wandering through the wilderness, fighting off enemies, uh, living like a nomad. And then at 78 years of age, Caleb enters the promised land. Uh, the land now he's at 85 years old in our text he's at 85 years old and the land is being divided up after seven years of fighting and him leading men into battle he comes before his old friend joshua and says verse 10 as you see the lord kept me alive these 45 years as he promised since the lord spoke this word to moses while israel was journeying in the wilderness I want five things that we can pick up off the life of Caleb just from this verses 10 to 12 that we can put into our lives no matter what age we're at. Number one, Caleb lived life with purpose. He lived life with purpose purpose every day Caleb um, probably not every day but most days Caleb woke up with an attitude with a purpose that was greater than himself greater than his own little bubble greater than his own little internal struggles I'm one of God's people and therefore I live for a purpose greater than myself yeah I live in the wilderness or yeah I'm living in war or yeah I'm living as a slave but there is a God who is in charge I serve that living God I serve his people I'm of the tribe of Judah, therefore I have a people to serve. I have a family whom I love and whom I serve. He had a different kind of spirit than the average person. God says he did. Turn to Numbers 14. Pick up your Bibles and and turn there. Numbers 14, hopefully you marked it. We're going to be there a number of times today. You can fold over the pages too. You're allowed to do that. Verse 24. Listen to what God says of Caleb. Wouldn't you love God to say this of you? But my servant Caleb, because he has a different kind of spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Ah, isn't that cool? God says of this man, he has a different kind of spirit of spirit. And and we know from studying Exodus, the Israelites all around him were constantly grumbling and complaining. Oh God, you didn't do this. Oh God, it was better than we were slaves. Oh God, you never look after us. You're just going to let us die. Grumble, grumble, grumble. But Caleb seemed to have a different spirit. He woke up, he had challenges, he had hardships. And yet he, he says, you know what? It's not my place to grumble. Against God. Each day has purpose in it. Each day has challenges, yes. But each day has perfect. He says the Lord has kept me alive. That's an interesting thing to ponder. Have you ever thought about why the Lord has kept you alive? 25 year old. 35 year old. 65 year old. 85 year old. Why are you alive? Some of you. I've almost been dead before. And yet, the Lord kept you alive. Why? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why are you alive? It's, it's gotta be for more than just consuming air and eating food. There has to be more to life than that. Have you asked them that? And not only are you alive, but most of you are saved by his grace. You've been saved by God. That's pretty Amazing. And sometimes I think about all the people that I I knew once that are now gone, people I went to high school with. Uh, soldiers I served with, people in, in family and friends and acquaintances that are no longer alive, people that died younger than me. And sometimes I think, why am I alive, God? Why have you allowed me such a grace? And not only that, but you saved me. You reached down from the pit that I once lived in and pulled me out and put me, my feet on the solid ground. Wow, I'm alive. I have to have a purpose that is greater than myself. Have you asked yourself that question? Sometimes I think we overcomplicate it, right? We're always searching, oh, God, show me my big purpose. Okay, God, God, like, I know there's a purpose in everyday life. I, I hear that, but, but show me. I can't see the purposes in today. Well, let me give you a story to kind of put it into, into context, sir. I was a recruit soldier, so a recruit means I was untrained. And and so I'm on this uh, 30-week course that you have to do when you join the army. And so we have no rights. But uh, if you do well enough, sometimes you'll get a weekend pass. You'll get to go out on the weekends. And I remember specifically uh, our warrant officer, who was uh, a higher-ranking person, told us, you go out Friday... Be back by uh, 8 o'clock Sunday night. You better have a haircut. Every single one of you. And so I didn't get a haircut. And I thought I could, you know, I thought maybe he won't notice. Oh, he noticed. He noticed myself and Private Murphy, I very much remember. And so then we got our our weekend passes taken away the next week. So we lost our privileges and we had what's called extras. We had to report to the duty sergeant. And the duty sergeant makes us wear these prison coveralls just so everyone on the base knows that we're the guys who didn't follow the orders and now we have to do bad jobs all weekend. And I remember he leads us out there. I can't remember his name, but he was a real... Not nice guy, and he led myself and Private Murphy out to the smoking area behind the ranks. The ranks is the bar on base where all the soldiers go um, and and drink and so it 's a Saturday morning he leads us out behind the ranks and he drops some garbage bags, looks at us, and walks away and Do you know what i didn 't do? say what am I supposed to do now? I looked around and saw cigarette butts everywhere. Garbage everywhere. And so we picked up the garbage bags and just started picking up cigarette butts and garbage. And you know, sometimes we're like, God, what do I do? And we look around and we see our country and we see our community and we don't need to ask. There are things that we could do, things God can keep us busy with that he's asked us to do in his word that is clearly there for us to do that would keep us busy for the rest of our lives. Sometimes we come up with those, I don't know what my purpose is because we don't want to do what we know we should do. Caleb had purpose and that purpose gave him a different kind of spirit. That spirit is available to you And to I. Then look at verse 10 if you go back to Joshua 14. He says, verse 10, here I am today, 85 years old. That's like a statement he's making there, right? Let's imagine uh, Joshua's there and all the leaders of the tribes, and and here comes Caleb, his old friend. Here I am, 85 years old. Not, here I am, 85 years old. Oh, life is so horrible. Somebody get me a, a cold drink and get me a recliner. No. He's got a spirit that's different. Here I am, 85 years old. Point number two, he didn't let his circumstances become his excuse. Uh, a guy once told me, you know, Emery, because I have a lot of excuses. Excuses are like problems. Everybody's got them. So get over it. And everybody's got them, right? Everybody's got problems and everyone's got excuses. And I think one of the reasons Caleb was still going strong at eighty five is because he didn't let his excuses define his life. I can't love my spouse because they don't treat me the way I should. I I can't help out because I have no energy. I can't disciple my kids because no one discipled me. I can't pray out loud because I'm scared. I can't invite anyone over for dinner because I'm not a good cook. I can't read my Bible because it's too confusing. And so on and so forth. We could literally come up with excuses not to do anything for the rest of our lives, right? Because excuses are so easy to make, especially in the day in which we live. Turn back to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. Verse 27. The context is uh, Moses has sent, right? They've come out of Israel. They've traveled like a, like a, a couple of weeks. And so now they're at the promised land. Um, and now he tells them to go in. Go in. This is the land that I'm gonna give you. And, and I want you to go possess it. So send in 12 scouts. So he depicts one chief from each uh, tribe. And he sends them in. And they come back, and this is what they say, verse 27. We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. And we saw the descendants of Enoch there and, and the Jesubi- the Amalekites are living on the land of Negev and the Hevites are and the Jebusites and the Ar- Aramites are live in the hill country and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. Did you see a lot of excuses? Check check. They're getting ready. Yeah, it's good. But then Caleb quieted the people because they're on an uproar in the presence of Moses and said, "Let's go take the pos- possession of the land because we can certainly." conquer it Caleb was there he was one of the twelve but the men who had gone up with him responded we can't attack these people because they're stronger than we are ah the excuse so they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we had passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw there are men of great size. We, were, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Enoch come out from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. That's a little dramatic, don't you think? Like really, grasshoppers? They're like that big? They're like, like, I know these guys were like nine, 10 feet, but like grasshoppers, right? You see the drama? And we must have seemed the same to them. Ah, we get passionate with our excuses and our reasons, don't we? I know I do sometimes, just ask my wife. But God told them, it's yours, go. It's yours, I've given it to you. I promised it to you, Go. It's already in your hands. They said, no, we, we, we can't go. It's too big. It, they're too strong. And we're too weak. And we're too small. They had their excuses. Reminded me of something I read once. You guys remember Deion Sanders? You gotta be like probably over 30 to remember Dion Sanders. He was, he was an athlete. Anybody remember him? He was called Primetime Sanders. There we go. He was an outfielder for the Atlanta Braves and a cornerback uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, meaning he played in the MLB and the NFL at the same time. He is the only athlete to ever hit a major league home run and score an NFL touchdown in the same week. Sanders says this. He grew up in the mean streets of uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And he had a lot of exposure to would-be athletes. And, and he says that they spurred him on to success. He says, uh, he explains, I, I call it, I call them Ida's. If I'd only done this, I'd be making 3 million today. If I'd only practiced a little harder, I'd be a Superstar. He says, they were as fast as me when we were kids, uh, but instead of working on their dreams, they chose drugs and a life on the streets. When I was young, I had to practice, and after school, I did that. My friends who didn't go to practice, they went to the street corners, and they never left. That moment after school was the moment I needed to grab. We don't need any more idas. I bet you the Israelites had some idas. Right? Imagine it, after they said we're not going in, the 40 years in the wilderness, they know Caleb and Joshua have been promised to go in. Uh, if I'd only listened to Caleb and not listened to those 10 other guys, I'd be going to the promised land. We'd be in there right now, but instead, here we are. Numbers 32, verse 11, I'll read it for you. God says this about them. About the two groups, the 10 and the two, of the 12 that went in, because they did not remain loyal to me, none of the 20, none of the men 20 years older or more, came up to Egypt to see the land I swore to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So the whole land, like all the Israelites, all the males, they all said, "We're not going with, with Caleb and Joshua. We vote to go with." the ten who don't want to go into the promised land. But, he says, none except Caleb and Joshua, the son of Nun, because they did remain loyal to me. I've got some idols in my younger days. I wish I'd done things differently. I wish I had made some decisions. But I can't make up for those. The only thing I can do here and now in my life is say, no more excuses I want to get to the end of my life like Caleb, however old that is, and not have let excuses define my existence, define my Christianity, define my contribution to this world. You don't have to either. Doesn't matter what everyone else does, doesn't matter what everyone else says. You can choose a different spirit like Caleb. Now go back to Joshua 14, to our main text, verse 11. He carries on. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle, for daily tasks, is now as it was then. Talk about an optimistic spirit, eh? This guy's got some optimism. Everyone is grumbling, not him. And that's point number three. He lived with a victorious mindset. A victorious mindset. Do you know where most people are defeated? Think about your life. Think about the things you wanted to do but never did. Where were you defeated most of the time? Not all the time. Most people are are not defeated on the sports field. Most people are not defeated in the job interview or teaching the Bible study or starting the business. Most people are defeated in the mind. This is where the battlefield is. This is why the TV wants to suck you in for the whole night and just have you sitting there absorbing whatever it tells you because they know, people know, uh, the people making the shows and and, and all of that and the advertising know this is where the battlefield is. Caleb, I think, knew that. Most... most, uh, addictions are lost in the mind before they're really fought out in the body. Uh, Most marriages end in the mind before they actually end in reality. Uh, Most dreams die in the mind before they're actually tried and tested. And most people dismiss God's promises as unrealistic in the mind before they actually step out and do them in the faith. 45 years before this moment that we're reading about in the text, 12 men were headed back to camp, headed back to the Israelites. They had scouted the land, and of those 12 men, 10 of them had already determined in their minds that what God had asked them to do was unrealistic and unachievable. They had already been defeated, but two of those men, as they walked and thought about the things they had seen, had already decided that God was big enough to overcome the enemies they saw in the land. He says, I'm still here 45 years later, and I'm 85 now, and I'm still strong. Is he as strong as he really was when he was 40? I don't know, but he certainly has the attitude that thinks he can accomplish these things for battle and for daily tasks. What's that saying? Everything life can throw at me. I've got some vigor, some energy. I'm ready for whatever life throws at me. Come on. He's not the victim. Not, oh, woe is me. I can't do anything because of that person and that person. If only I'd had. It's like, let's get it on because the Lord God is with us. Paul talks about that sort of... Uh, perseverance in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 let us not grow tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up therefore as we have opportunity let us work for the good of all especially for those who belong to the household of faith you are capable of a lot more than you think Christian God can do a lot more through you than you think he can it's always refreshing to go and visit Elfrida LeMay. Some of you know her. I, was, I went and visited her last week. Uh, you would know and Elfrida would tell you that her body is, is, is pretty racked with arthritis. She can't really walk uh, very well without a walker. She can't really write very well. Her body has, has, has been worn down by the times. Yet in her mind, she still sees herself as useful for the Lord. And so throughout the lockdown, when when people were saying, nobody phones me, Alfreda was every day getting up and phoning people on a list. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? How's your family? How are you going through? For a year and a half, she phoned people and did what she could. She had the mindset that Caleb said, I'll do what I can. Then verse 12 Caleb says, no, give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me on this day because you have heard then that the Anakim are there as well as large fortified cities. Note that the same obstacles that were there 45 years ago are still there. Nobody has gone to tear them down. Nobody has gone to take on the giants. They've conquered most of the land except they left the hardest part. And then if you skip forward a chapter to verse 15, we see him carrying out what he says he's gonna do. He's not just all talk. Sometimes I'm more of this than follow through, but not Caleb. Chapter 15, verse 13. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion along with the peop- among with the people of Judah, that is Hebron. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak. These are Nefermen. These are giants. Uh, these are big, fierce warriors. So he says, give me the hard country. Give me the spot nobody wants. And then he went and did it. That's point number four. We need to live through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Caleb says, not just give me a little peace, but give me the hard part. Give me the places where the enemies are the strongest. Now, we have to understand, Christians. If you're a Christian, if you identify as that, then you have to understand your lineage, where you've come from, the family of Christians that have walked before us for 2,000 years. These are men and women who were filled. This is what we believe when we say we're Christians that we can be filled with God's Spirit inside of us and through god's spirit living inside of us we can do things and men and women for thousands of years have done amazing things they have brought back the dead they have uh, healed the sick they have overcome tremendous obstacles they have uh, set the captives free they have loved the unlovable they have uh, mystified the smartest minds they have humbled the proudest of spirits because they were filled with god's holy spirit that's what God promises to us. But for some Christians, all they want is the Holy Spirit to be like this in them. This. Burning, but really not that powerful. I can bring my finger through it. He's there, he's there, but let just Holy Spirit just kind of stay, stay at bay. Don't get anything crazy. Don't get me into anything that I might have to risk something for. But for some, for some, next picture, the Holy Spirit lives in them like a raging inferno. God's Spirit just burns and they want him to burn. They are open to him. They throw kindling and wood on the Holy Spirit and all the things that God wants and and they're obedient and they love him and they seek him and they don't let excuses define their lives and have a victorious mindset believing God can still do the things that he did in the past and the things he promises to do in the future. And so God's spirit burns strong. But how does one burn strong? with the Holy Spirit. Well, I think Paul kind of gives us a, an, a little hint in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He tells Timothy this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and now in your mother Eunice. And I am convinced in this, that this is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. What did Paul tell Timothy? Your pastor needs to fan the flame. No, your spouse needs to fan the flame. No, no, your church family needs to fan the flame. No, no, it's it's everyone else. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, You fan the flame, Timothy. You do it. Stop looking for everyone else to do it. You fan the flame till it burns and rages strong inside of you. That's how you grow into one of those people that God uses. You're just totally open. Last little bit of our text then Caleb finishes with perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has promised Caleb lived with hope not just hope but hope in God notice that perhaps there's no 100% for sure perhaps like I'm not 100% sure I know God's gonna do it perhaps he'll do it through me same hope he had 45 years ago turned back to numbers chapter 14 this is the kind of spirit i'm trying to show you something i'm trying to show you how he went from 40 years old or 38 years old to 85 years old still with the same spirit verse 5 this is right after the the people give the bad report then moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb were also among those who scouted out the land, and they tore their clothes. Then they said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is extremely good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. There's the hope. There's the same hope he's got now. If the Lord is really with us, if the Lord is re- if we're really doing what he asked us to do, we got this. We can do this. Do you still have hope, Christian? Do you still think God is, wants to do some spectacular things in this last period of human history? Or do you think he's finished with it? Do you think those stories are just for old? That's from from before us. We're just destined to... To be like we are now. God's done some pretty amazing things in this congregation over the last couple of years because of prayer. That's why I, I really want and desire and hope that the prayer meeting becomes the most important meeting that happens at this church. We've gone to prayer, we've come together as groups for when people are really sick. God has healed people. Jack Goddard was dead. But God healed him. Like he was that close to being dead. And we came together and sought the Lord and he healed him. Uh, Rick Britton was pretty much on death's doorstep. And we came together and God healed him. Uh, Don, he was a couple of weeks away from dead. And God showed him what was wrong with him. And God healed him. Levi, my son, he was in the hospital looking at some pretty horrible things with no explanation to what was going on, and then people got together and started praying, and the doctors didn't know what it was, and now he's like nothing. Steve was death's doorstep, and then we got together outside of uh, his hospitals and in groups and prayed, and miraculously, here he is. Maddie's dad was almost dead. And then we started to pray, and supernaturally, the doctors don't know what it is. Now he's alive. That's the reality of the God we serve. And we can do much more, congregation. God wants to do more. He's just waiting for us to come alive. I'm almost pretty sure I'll be dead in the next... 30 maybe 40 years oh pastor how can you say that well I can say that because Psalm 90 verse 10 says the length of our days is 70 or 80 years if we are strong that doesn't depress me and it doesn't really scare me not because I'm extra brave because I know where I'm going I love life probably more now than I ever have I love it's joys I love it's pain as well I love life, but still, I'm not afraid to die because God is calling me to live a maximized life here and now. And I just want to, in conclusion, talk to three different groups of people here. First, to the young people. We'll say those are 30 and under. So if you're in that group, feel good. This is what I would say to you. Get serious get serious. If God is real, then follow him. If he's not, then forget about it. If you honestly think God is real, yeah, the, the faith that of the last 2,000 years, I read the Bible and Jesus Christ is real. I believe he is the God who created all. He died for my sins and that the things he's done through people in the past can happen to me. If you think it's real, then get serious about your faith. But if it's not, then forget about it. Don't come to church. Don't waste your time just living a, a half-in Christian life life don't bother with the half-hearted christianity of the generations that preceded you that they lived it didn't work we can see that it didn't work young people the only way to live is on fire for Christ. That's the only way to live the Christian life. And and that is what God is looking in you. You could be the generation, the greatest generation in the last 100 years of Christians. You might be the last generation, the one that shines the brightest for Christ in a world that is losing its mind. So get serious. We don't need any more armchair quarterbacks who, who critique everything about the world, but don't do anything themselves. So get serious. To middle-aged people, we'll call you 30 to 55, because that's the new retirement age, 55. To you, I would say, get ready. Get yourselves ready. You're the generation that's going to have to stand if this nation is going to continue. You're the generation that is taking over in all the powerful positions. You're the working generation. You're the generation raising your kids. Get ready to stand against the coming chaos. Get ready, get full of God, get full of the Holy Spirit, get a backbone, get a purpose that is greater than your comfort. Stop bickering about the inconsistencies of your, your spouse and your parents. Uh, stop whining about how the church doesn't provide for you what you want. Stop looking for the government to take care of you. Get ready, you're it. You're the hope. Christ has made you the church and you got, mess, you got handed a messed up country. Sorry, yeah, yeah. We've got some challenges, real challenges ahead of us, but we need to get over it. We need to take responsibility for our families, take responsibility for our churches, take responsibility for our nation, and get ready, and let's go slay some giants. To the seniors, those in retirement age, to you, I'd say, get up and give it one more round. I love you. I love you enough to tell you to get up off the ground and give it one more round. You have lived in the richest generation in the history of the world. I need you to put that into context. Of the world, you have it. And yet, our church, under your care, not under all of you specifically, because some of you have poured out your life for the church, poured out your life for your families, poured out your life for Christ, but I'm talking about the generation as a whole. Under your stewardship, the church has withered up and almost died is on all life support. We as a country are broke, morally broke, physically and broke spiritually. That is just the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. So many uh, people of that age group have so much and yet they're so miserable and yet they just keep doing the same thing they've always been doing. What are you living for, seniors? What is the purpose of your lives? Caleb had all the reasons in the world to sit back and coast. He did more than most people will ever do in his life and yet he says, I'm 85 and I'm not finished yet. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. Uh, there's a mountain over there that doesn't fly the f- flag of Zion. Let's go and take it down. Come on, young men. Come on, young women. Stop whining and bickering. Let's go take it. Caleb was dangerous, seniors. And maybe he was more dangerous now at 85 than he was at 45 because he had nothing to lose. He had lived life, tasted his youth. Uh, he'd gone through middle age and now he knew where he was going when he died so he had nothing to lose. And oh, how we need some seniors who have got nothing to lose. How exciting that would be. I would rally behind you. I would follow you. Who, seniors who look around at the nation and see the flags of Satan flying high all around us and yet say, come on God, give me that mountain. I want to go and take it. And if I die, I die. You are still the largest demographic in our country. You are the wealthiest demographic in our country. You have the most experience. And if you get up and give it one more round, if you seek the Lord with all your being, if you lead the the middle-aged and young Christians, well, you might just move the Lord to save this country and bring us to brighter days. Let's pray and Dustin's going to come up uh, and lead us in communion. Lord, thank you for the life of Caleb. I pray that anyone who's like, whoa, what's with Ben? I just wanted to hear a, a nice, light message. Lord, I pray you would give them a, a view of eternity and a view of the things that really matter in this world. They would look around and see, oh, the lies that, that the generations have bought into and they would come back to you. Lord, I want to be like Caleb. I want to be, if I lived 85, whatever age I am, I want to be like his attitude, which was, I'm all yours, Lord. Would you help us, Jesus? Would you kindle fresh Holy Spirit inside of us? Would you light our fires so that we burn in this community and this world takes a look and sees you through us in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.